Hello and welcome to New Dab. This is Uncle Tickles. This is episode six and we are doing a listener mailbag. I know we had said in episode five that this would be a uh, makeover slash ultimate guide to being a zaddy, but due to some schedule uh, conflicts, that'll be next week. And uh, next week, it looks like we'll have two episodes for you. So uh, a little special gift to uh, all of uh, Uncle Tickles' little children out there. This mailbag is something I wanted to do as part of our progress report, but we just ran out of time. Um, the guests we had that day, Jess Shulman and Angela, when were just too good, and uh, I didn't want to cut anything short. So actually kind of faithful that we have this opening to do this today. Well, we're going to have Prop Cause take us away, and we'll get to some of the questions I've been asked so far this first season. Prob, take us away. This is Uncle Tickles, and you are listening to the Mailbag episode. Uh, this is something I was hoping that would happen. Um, you know, I've been mentioning throughout episodes, you can email Uncle Tickles at newdadpod at gmail.com, and I would uh, be doing a Mailbag episode. We, As I said at the top of the show, we were hoping to do that in the progress report, but just ran out of time. So uh, this is a collection of emails I've gotten um, starting around episode episode or the bonus episode and uh and have collected up until today we've got a couple last minute ones that were submitted that we'll be using in the show uh but without further ado our first email from jt caught at the one yard line in delavan wisconsin uh, interesting name there uh last episode you talked about the first two weeks how do you get a child to stop crying during that time um well jt i don't have a magic solution for you. If I did, I'd probably uh, be a lot richer than I am now. I can say in those first two weeks, and, and you know, this isn't anything you won't read, you know, in a million different places, but you know, most of the time a kid's crying because it, uh, you know, is hungry, it wants its diaper changed, or, uh, you know, it wants to be held. So typically those three things will, will solve any crying. Uh, but, you know, it always is this, this dangerous game, right? Because it is really easy to let the kid lay on you. And most times, um, you know, that will work, that will suffice, that will uh, give the kid what it wants, and, and you will have uh, a happy baby. But, uh, you know, you do that too often. And then suddenly, what you have is a baby who doesn't like to sleep in the bassinet, it's a baby who will only sleep, uh, you know, on you or, on, you know, on your partner. And, um, and that can be a tough habit to break. Um, with Shep, you know, we were pretty good about getting him in the bassinet. With Solo, I think we're even more conscious about it. So perhaps it seems like we're struggling a bit more because we're more apt to put him in there. Um, but uh, I can say this, you know, I know we didn't talk about this in the first two weeks episode, and it was a total oversight on my side. Um, swaddling 
There's a bunch of different swaddling products out there. I suggest if you have the money to get a couple different ones. You know, they have the Velcro wraps, and then they have these ones that look like little starfish kind of deals. And uh, eventually, you know, the baby grows out of all those, and you have to get a whole different set of, like, sleeveless sacks. Um, But find out what works for your kid. And, um, you know, uh, Adam... Nation uh, had suggested the snooze bassinet, and I know that real hefty price point. But you know, at a certain point, you can't put a price on your sleep and your uh, your peace of mind. So um, you know, it's kind of trial and error, to be honest. And there's going to be a lot of things that you know that you know you might run into that you have no control over, whether it be stomach issues or um, health related things that that will create your baby to be a little bit more fussy and. And, you know, that can be a trying thing for parents. But, uh, you know, um, you know, just try not to get too frustrated. Uh, and just know, you know, babies cry. That's the one way they have of communicating things. So, um, you know, if it happens a little bit, um, you know, and it's going to, especially during changing or, um, you know, when they're uncomfortable. So um, try not to get too rattled by it and, you know, just love on your baby. And over time, I think you're going to kind of figure out what those different cries mean. And, and even if you don't, you'll go through your series of checklists and uh, eventually kind of get to a point where you, you're figuring those things out. So JT, I hope that helps. Um, this is from Caston in Minneapolis, Minnesota. If you could wear one of those harnesses that stores breast milk and mimics breastfeeding, would you? Um, that's a resounding hell yes. Uh, I am one that I uh, am looking for every opportunity to bond with my children. There are certain things that as a, a father, I'll never be able to do. Breastfeeding is one of them. Birthing the children is another. Carrying them for nine months is another. And um, I know a lot of times this is, uh, you know, men are looked at as kind of detached oafs that, um, we'll never get it. And, you know, we won't ever get a lot of that, you know, and I, that's something that actually has been a thing I struggle with a little bit is as someone who cherishes life experience, knowing that I'll, that's an experience I'll never have, right. I'll never be able to birth a kid. It's just not in the cards for me. Um, and I'm just never going to know that. And it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. Um, even though it's a pretty traumatic and, you know, really hard thing. Um, I, I'm never going to do that. So I'll, I'll never know. So, um, I would definitely wear a harness like that. I think that, um, it can only help, uh, strengthen the bond between you and your son. Um, I try to encourage my wife to allow me to do as many feedings as possible. Um, you know, she pumps and we put that in a bottle and I feed and I really, uh, you know, chalk that up to the strong relationship I have with my son, Shep. You know, I did a lot of that. Um, late night feedings with him and, um, you know, he and I have a really, really good close relationship right now. And I think, you know, that it would be very different if I wasn't doing that, if I didn't take on a lot of the feedings that I did. So, um, yes, I would, I would uh, jump at the opportunity for something like that. Um, not only do I think it's, it would look funny and ridiculous, but I think it would be uh, a bonding experience. So for sure, casting in Minneapolis. Um, Gilgamex, <laughs> Gilgamex and Crystal Lake asks, have you sensed any jealousy from Shep yet since you brought Solo home? Um, no, I haven't. I think, uh, Solo and Shep, um, have existed in perfect harmony so far. Shep's been an amazing big brother. He's helpful. 
Um, he's inquisitive when he comes home from daycare. He wants to know where baby is. He kind of needs to, uh, you know, have a, an inocular pat down of where that baby is, whether it's in his bassinet or mom's holding him. And, uh, and he's, uh, you know, just very gentle with them so far. So um, the closest thing to jealousy I've seen is if I'm holding solo, Shep will want me to pick him up too. Um, that's probably the closest thing to that. But other than that, so far, so good. I've been really proud and uh, impressed with Shep. Um, he's only 20 months old, but he's a fantastic older brother. It's been actually, you know, I think I mentioned last week, it's been one of the coolest things to watch so far. It <laughs> That sounds like a shitty thing to say. You know, one of the things that's, coolest about solo so far is watching Shep um, be a good brother but you know babies this early they don't do a lot of cool stuff so um, Dane a, a very close friend from Greenville South Carolina asked on a scale of one to Elmer's glue how creamy are your butt cheeks well I would say uh, my butt cheeks are a, a swimming pool of Elmer's glue in an ocean of buttermilk so um, that's off the charts creamy that would answer that question, Dane. I love and miss you, buddy. Um, we'll be in Charleston in September, and hopefully we can see you then. Laura from Cleveland asks, how do you balance being a dad and having a life? You know, I think that that question actually connects into one aspect of the Progress Report episodes, which is that uh, life balance. And so um, how do I do that? You know, I've been trying to focus on... Um, you know, before solo, making you know, a very concerted effort to try to plan with my, you know, my guy friends, you know, when I can. Um, and you, with all of them having kids and being spread out across the state and really, you know, the United States as well, um, you know, it makes planning those things hard and it's kind of not getting too down when the plans don't come to fruition like I would like. Um, and it's also kind of rolling with the punches when you have things that cancel last minute. So, um, but it is like, you know, it's, it's, a it's something that I have to exercise. It's a muscle I have to exercise, right? Because it's not something that's natural to me. So I have to make sure I'm constantly reaching out, constantly, um, you know, throwing things out there and seeing just kind of what sticks against the wall. Um, I am going to see a really, uh, you know, one of my best friends, uh, this Sunday, we're taking both of our uh, our oldest sons to see Nick Jr. So we'll see Bubble Guppies live. So that will be fun. It'll be the you know first time I've seen um, you know a buddy out of the house or out of a hospital <laughs> in in a while. So um, you know then there's things like my hobbies. So I've been taking drum lessons again. Um, that helps a little bit. That gets me out of the house for 45 minutes um, and gets me just thinking about something not kid related and something that just benefits me really. Um, and then there's things like, you know, a song of ice and fire. So, uh, ironically that kind of leads us into, um, our next two questions. So I think I'll cover that. in when I hit these, uh, Stephanie from Norwood park asked, what is a song of ice and fire? Well, um, I think I mentioned it in one of the early episodes, but bears repeating. So a song of ice and fire are, is the name for the books that serve as the in inspiration for the show Game of Thrones. So there's five books that are currently out, uh, two planned, um, who knows if there'll be more, um, but two more planned and um, collectively they're known as the A Song of Ice and Fire. So um, Mismatch Eyes from Bravos, who must be an A Song of Ice and Fire fan herself, asks, 
how has a song of ice and fire changed your life? Well, um, going back to Laura's question, it, it helps provide some balance. Um, you know, it also is something that I can do that's not, uh, and how do I put this? You know, when you watch TV, sometimes it can seem like a waste of time, right? Even reading books uh, just on their own, I think some people could say, you know, if I'm just sitting there reading the same fantasy novels over and over again, that's a waste of time, right? But um, what it's done is it's giving me this opportunity to, uh, you know, things like conventions and panels, which kind of make it serve a purpose or give it um, more than, it's more than just reading a book. It's, you know, interacting with the community and uh, Laura, who asks a question is become a close friend. I have another uh, really good friend, Scott Wartman, who's come about because of just talking about the books and, and uh, hanging out at these conventions and, um, and a host of other people just, you know, really a list too long to, to, to name everybody. But those two people really stand out as, you know, people I now talk to just about every other day. And um, it's not just about the books, it's about life. And, you know, we all have things um, in common, or we, you know, maybe things that aren't in common that we're able to help each other understand, uh, you know, when it comes to life. So, um, you know, it hasn't really changed, changed my life uh, in a way that like, it's brought me to meet new friends that I probably would have never met. Um, otherwise, that's probably the biggest example, but it's also given me, um, you know, this added level of gratification in life, because uh, I've never came across anything in TV or pop culture in general music, you know, that was this gratifying, you know, that uh, really kind of scratches all the different itches that I'm looking for when I'm consuming something like that. So, um, so yeah, so I hope that answers that question. Mismatched highs from Bravos. Uh, <laughs> this, this person I'm assuming knows, knows me very well. Will Jen Riches from Wonder Lake ask, uh, which state has better jails, Nebraska or Wisconsin? So uh, I didn't spend much time in Wisconsin jail and I didn't ever make it out of the holding cell. So um, I feel like you have to spend some time in a cell block to really judge uh, a state's jails. Um, I will say the Wisconsin officers were much, much friendlier than any officers I encountered in Nebraska. And probably good reason for that too. So um, I will, for the sake of this question, I will say Wisconsin. Wisconsin uh, is my choice. Um, Gary Grimm from Chicago, Illinois asked, can you tell the story of when you first met last week's guest host, The Nation? Um, yeah, sure. I would love to tell the story. Um, so our guest on our bonus episode, no content, Jimmy Stabler, um, he's a friend of mine for, you know, a while. You know, we documented how we met. Um, I was going out to a concert in Las Vegas, but flew out to LA and was staying with one of his friends whom I've never met, who turned out to be Nation, uh, Adam May. Um, so he was gracious enough to take me in, never knowing him. We took a road trip to LA and um, we pre-gamed for uh, the Vegas Music Festival at, I think it was, I think it was the MGM Grand Buffet, uh, where they have uh, like all-you-can-drink mimosas. And long story short, he drank so many mimosas that uh, he left, uh, basically walked into the music festival as soon as it opened without hearing a note of music, turned around and left, and then proceeded to hallucinate um, from drinking so much champagne uh, that we had gotten on a Jurassic Park roller coaster ride 
And at some point, I found a way to get off the roller coaster cart and ride the mechanical dinosaurs. Uh, and when he woke, he was mad. Uh, he was mad at me because uh, he was holding a grudge because in, in this hallucination champagne state, uh, I refused to reveal the secrets of how to ride these mechanical dinosaurs. Um, so the first time I met Adam Nation, he actually hated me uh, for something that didn't happen for, for a couple days, maybe even longer. We'll have to ask him how long he held that grudge. Um, secondary, you know, while we're talking about this concert, there's a, a secondary story. So I had brought a hit of acid to the show and uh, you know, just one hit. And on the way out of the cab to the entrance to the festival, somehow it had fallen out of my pocket or I dropped it or whatever. It had gone missing. Um, I had made this irrational attempt to just retrace my steps to see if I could find it. It was, you know, we're talking about a tiny square of paper. Um, you know, the odds of finding it in this vast parking lot were slim to none, it, literally like a needle in a haystack. And, you know, I sure enough, I found it, uh, uh, as I had given up hope on the way back, brush up against a curb. So I find it, go into the concert, I take it. Um, and at a, at a point, I had to just get away from everybody and uh, go my own route. And I ended up in this uh, air-conditioned small outdoor church. And I had sat there and watched people have these Vegas weddings, you know, and it was uh, Vegas over Halloween. So everyone's in these costumes. Um, for someone on a, on a mind-bending hallucinogen, it was everything I'd wanted. There's music in the background, um, crazy costumes, like I said. The pastor was this outrageous person, and, and it was hot, and it was air-conditioned in this church. So um, this was perfect. And at one point, they, you know, they, it must have been like you know, they had a hard stop time when they had to stop doing these weddings. And, uh, and the pastor walked off. And a bunch of people who were waiting to get married had started to kind of boo and, and make these, you know, uh, noises that made it very clear that they were unhappy that this was stopping. Their, their impression was that they were going to maybe stay open a little bit longer until you get the last couple people married. So um, in a very seamless, weird transition, as the pastor walked off the stage, I had uh, slowly risen um, walked past him and then walked up onto the stage. And and what hasn't been revealed in the story yet is I was wearing the outfit of a priest. I was wearing a priest outfit for Halloween that year. Um, and I grabbed the mic, which was still hot, and I informed everyone that we weren't going to go anywhere till everyone got married and then told the Willie Nelson impersonator uh, off to the side of the stage to hit it. Uh, he didn't know what was going on. I think he thought maybe perhaps it was part of the show. And he starts playing... Uh, you're always on my mind as one of the couples walks down. Now, the security was all on the sides of the stage at this point, but they didn't rush it. They actually allowed me to go through with this uh, make-believe ceremony. So there was a couple out there that believes they're married um, <laughs> by the state of Nevada, uh, and they were married by me on uh, a head full of acid. So that is also, I don't know if, I, I wanted to tell that story because I'm not sure if Gary Grimm is referring to that or if he's referring to nation hallucinating from the uh the champagne but wanted to cover both bases with that story so um <laughs> the next question not parenting related this is from italian meatball in woodstock illinois uh not parenting related but is it okay to date your ex's arch nemesis um this question was too juicy not to include there were a bunch of bad questions <laughs> not bad but unrelated questions that i just didn't include um but I did want to hit on this one. So I think there's a lot of context that we're missing that would 
really make uh, or break my answer here. Uh, I'm going to assume that your ex is uh, not sweet or somehow fucked you over. Um, otherwise, I don't think you'd even be considering this because um, if you had any sort of amicable split, then I think the answer to this is no. You don't want to uh, ruffle any feathers and um, albeit, you know, it's not your responsibility to to uh, rule out people to date just because you think someone you used to date uh, would be displeased. Um, and, you know, if you have a friendship and they're an arch nemesis for a good reason, then I would say maybe find someone else. There's other fish in the sea. Um, now, if you guys had a more cantankerous split and, uh, and like I said, you felt um, jilted in any way and disrespected and this uh, ex's arch nemesis is you know, um, showing you interest and you're interest, interested in returning, that's genuine and you're not doing it just for, you know, revenge or for any bad reasons. If you're genuinely interested in this girl, then I would say, by all means, I think you should go for it. So um, Italian meatball, I hope that helps you. Um, Adam Jenrick, who was uh, on our screen time episode, asked, <laughs> he's a little salty, you might be able to tell from this question. What other names for future children are you considering whose nickname would double as an iconic Star Wars character of which you have no care about? Adam Jenrick is a giant Star Wars fan. I, we, we talk about it a little bit um, in that Screen Time episode. Uh, I think he's a little jealous that I have a son who will go by Solo. Um, so to answer your question, Adam, I would say um, Jar Jar Binks is a nice unisex name. I think you could work for a daughter um, or a son. So I, you know, we're not going to retire Jar Jar Binks. Um, and I've always been told, uh, I resemble Jabba the Hutt a little bit. So maybe Jabba. So Jabba and Jar Jar, uh, I kind of like the full Jar Jar Binks, but, uh, Lena and I can talk about that later. Those are the two that we would consider. Um, <laughs> hard ab 69 from Chicago, Illinois asks, what what is the first TV series not named a Game of Thrones that once age appropriate you are excited to share with your kids? Same question for movies. Well, um, that's awful nice that you think that I would wait for my children to be age appropriate to show uh, something that I'm excited about. Um, so I'm glad I've given off that vibe. I'm not sure that um, I'm going to wait till my kids are age appropriate. Um, this is a tough one. I've I thought about this one a little bit, I, you know, I think the cool answer is to say something like The Wire or Breaking Bad. Um, you know, how about um, someone who probably could have been included in our uh, on-screen bad dads? How about the show Elf, which was one of my favorite shows as a kid uh, growing up. And I haven't done a rewatch on it, but uh, Willie, from, uh, Willie from Elf, the dad there, um, Perhaps an all-time bad dad lets a, a cat-eating alien live in their garage, um, putting his family at risk from governmental entities. Um, not sure, but I'm going to say Alf for TV, just because I think it might be a, a fun one for me and Shep to watch. Uh, and then Solo, I think, would probably also enjoy it at some point. And then movies, I think it's True Romance. I think that's my favorite movie. Um, really look forward to seeing if that one is... One that, uh, you know, he enjoys when, and again, I'll probably turn it on to him when uh, it's 
a little too early for most people to say age appropriate. Let's say seventh grade, I think. I think that's when I saw it. Um, but yeah, True Romance and then Elf. Those are my answers. Um, let's see here. We have Ryan from McHenry, Illinois, wants to know, what is my favorite meal to prepare to prepare for my kids? Well, uh, Solo is just straight slanging that breast milk right now, so uh, I like preparing bottles of breast milk for him. Shep, uh, so Shep's gone through, you know, in the beginning, you know, when I say beginning, I would say from four months to maybe a year, he would eat anything we put in front of him. A little bit more picky. A lot of that has to do with the fact that he knows where the snack cabinet is now, um, and he knows how to manipulate his dad. So um, <laughs> this is not a meal that I actually really prepare, um, but I would say pizza just because <laughs> um, Shep's love for pizza is as strong as anything Um you know, I've seen, and uh, when he sees pizza, he gets a little pizza chant. So um, I'm going to say uh, just seeing Shep, you know, enjoy pizza is probably the, the answer to that question. Um, Rory, uh, Rory Berg, who was on the, the Baby Name episode, asked, what do you hope Shep's first memory will be? Um, I, You know, and this was another tough one. Um <laughs> I guess I hope that it is uh, maybe McDonald's McNugget related involving me and uh, and lots of laughs and smiles. So, um, you know, pretty generic, but you just want it to be a happy, positive memory. Um, I know what, one of my first memories is having to go get stitches um, because I cut my finger trying to cut my own apple. Um, not a great like early memory. So, you know, I, I hope it's something very positive, you know, um, and I hope it involves me. So, um, <laughs> Craig Turlington asks, what movie duo represents you and Shep best? Um, this one is another one I, I really put a lot of thought into. There is a movie uh, based on a book called Freak the Mighty, and I believe the movie make, goes by the same name. This one kind of is uh, is what I what came to mind. Um, you know, the book has to do with a, um, you know, basically a, a, a kid who is suffering from giantism. Um, I don't know if it's actually giantism in the book, but for lack of a better term and uh, lack of total recall, I'm going to, I'm going to call it giantism. And then there's another kid who's, uh, you know, kind of, he's very small for his age and, and sickly and, um, I, his legs don't work very well. And in the, the story, um, the freak is, uh, that is the, the, the smaller boy and mighty is, is the, the boy who's suffering from giantism and they walk around where one is, uh, you know, the smaller child just walks around on, on mighty's shoulders. Um, and they, you know, basically become just one person. They're not seen without each other. And, uh, there's this very symbiotic or symbiotic relationship between the two. Um, so I would say that's kind of like, you know, me and Shep, he's the brains. He's telling me where to go. And I'm just uh, this big oaf that kind of takes him from here and there. And he points and says that. And, you know, we figure out what he wants. And he wants to go down. We go down. He wants to go see squirrels. We go see squirrels. So I'm going to say Freak the Mighty. Um, Kim from Elmhurst writes, what? your stance on religion and politics around the kids uh you know this can obviously be very a very very delicate topic um without going too far down this rabbit hole what i would say is my stance is i think it's best to allow a child to choose those sort of things themselves 
Um, having said that, um, I, you know, I think it's very hard to uh, bring your child up without exposing them to your beliefs um, regarding those things. And uh, I don't really think it's realistic to ask a parent not to, um, you, you know, not to talk about their beliefs or not to have that be part of their life. Um, I just think that, you know, it's important that if you're going to raise your child, say Catholic, because I was raised Catholic, you know, um, that you are, you know, giving them at least some idea of what else is out there and, and not necessarily in a disparaging way. Um, in a perfect world, I think you kind of, you know, explain, hey, there's lots of religions and, you know, people choose to believe uh, one or the other, and that doesn't necessarily make them better or the other. And at some point, you know, you're going to grow up and, uh, you know, you could choose to be part of the religion that your mom and dad have been part of, or you can choose one of these other ones, or you could choose not to be religious. Um, you know, a, a little kid is going to want to be part of what their parents are doing. That's just natural. And that's why, um, you know, you, you don't see a lot of uh, you know, families practicing multi-religions, but, um, you know, I think that's, you know, in a perfect world, the best approach. If you are religious practicing family, now, um, I will just say full disclosure, we're not, um, neither my wife or I are, uh, are religious. So, you know, for us, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of take the approach of saying, well, here's this and here's that, and here's this and here's that. And, and you can choose whichever one, um, you know, you feel a deepest connection to, should you feel a deep connection to one of those? Um, politics, uh, again, I think that a kid will naturally kind of figure out what their parents gravitate towards politically, and they're going to early on naturally probably mimic a lot of those beliefs. Um, but as a parent, I just think it's important, you know, and, um, and I do have political leanings, and I'm for sure going to be, or try to be conscious of, uh, you know, pointing out the other side and, uh, you know, some of the, the drawbacks to, to my beliefs and some of the benefits to the other side and, and making sure that, um, you know, they're getting both sides as much as possible. Um, you know, it's a tough thing to do, but I think, uh, you know, it's important to make sure that your, your kid sees that, you know, you're not a, a straight line thinker and that, you know, you do consider things from both sides. And uh, I think that carries over to a lot of things in life. And then this question, the final question, this was asked by quite a few people. And they said, what's the status of getting Papa Pappas on the show? Um, that's going to happen. We're definitely going to have them on. Um, there are some talks about a potential reoccurring segment um, featuring him um, that might appear in future episodes. So um, please keep you know, tuning in, you will, uh, you will, uh, hopefully be rewarded with, uh, a nice little Papa Pappas segment that, you know, as I said, not sure if it's going to be every episode, every other episode or, or, or how we do that, but, um, trying to work something out with him, uh, for that. So that's some exciting news for, for our listeners and watchers. And that will be it for today. Those were, um, some good emails. I, I hope that, you know, some of the, the people that listen and watch will continue to send those in. Um, we'll see. I will um, either try to get them into the next uh, progress report episode, or maybe we'll just do another episode like this where we just do a short little mailbag, get the majority of the questions answered, and 
um, and just do it like that. So um, really appreciate the people who have, uh, you know, been listening and lent me their support, uh, whether it be through messages or texts or uh, phone calls or, you know, however those have come through. Um, means a lot. Let's uh, let's keep this thing going. I will mention that uh, so far, New Dad has got as high as 83 on the charts for parenting podcasts. Um, that's uh, in large part thanks to, to you guys who have been uh, rating and reviewing and subscribing to the podcast through Apple iTunes and or Stitcher or whatever, uh, Spotify. Um, so please, if you haven't done that, do that. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Check out New Dad's Facebook group. Go to our uh, our Instagram page. And as always, you can email me at newdadpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much. I love you all. Proud cause. Take us away. Bye.